Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today's date is Monday. It is September 12, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're continuing in Chapter 7, Working with Others. We're going to start on page 99, Paragraph 2, if there be divorce or separation. Um, Okay, today's readers are, for the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous, Leslie M. For the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, Lisa B. And the readers for our text today will be Deb W., Santa H., and Irini M. Now, the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, special edition, September 11th is 9069. That's 9069. And the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, who shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Leslie M. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Leslie M. Thank you for your service, Janice. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, 
promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Leslie M. Okay, I will now ask Lisa B. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. And thank you, Lisa B. <clears throat> How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, Press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Well, today we're going to be resuming our study in the big book, and we're beginning on page 99. 
The first reader will be reading starting at paragraph two. If there be divorce or separation, we're going to read and comment on two paragraphs. And today I will now ask Deb W. to please begin our reading. Good morning, Janice. This is Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. Can you hear me well? Very very well. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, If there be divorce or separation, there should be no undue haste for the couple to get together. The man should be sure of his recovery. The wife should fully understand his new way of life. If their old relationship is to be resumed, it must be on a better basis since the former did not work. This means a new attitude and spirit all around. Sometimes it is to the best interest of all concerned that a couple remain apart. Obviously, no rule can be laid down. Let the alcoholic continue his program day by day. When the time for living together has come, it will be apparent to both parties. Let no alcoholic say he cannot recover unless he has his family back. This just isn't so. In some cases, the wife will never come back for one reason or another. Mind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people. It is dependent upon his relationship with God. We have seen men get well whose families have not returned at all. We have seen others slip when the family came back too soon. So this uh, paragraph, you know, I really can identify in with. And I just made a few notes on what it reminded me, uh, my past experience or what I've heard or seen happen in the fellowship with others and even uh, sponsees. It says the undue, it talks about the undue haste. And uh, some t- long time ago, I heard that there, you know, about five or probably more uh, normal, common uh, uh, things that cause people to pull away from recovery. And so I have that one was new relationships, um, you know, the attention that they require, uh, education, you know, people go back to school and, you know, the priorities get turned around, uh, divorce or marriage, you know, it's just too emotionally tough, you know, the anger, I, I remember what my relapse was because of the anger and the frustration and the pressure uh, behind all of that, a move when, you know, we move from one location to the other, having difficulty to get re grouped with the uh, the new and uh, identify in with the new group of uh, people in the uh, meetings uh, in the fellowship and a new job, the attention again that it takes, uh, you know, uh, for uh, it to work. We think, you know, our priorities get turned around. And there's this urge for him to understand with another line that identified in and to un- approve. But so many people I talk to that, you know, the husband has a problem or the wife has a problem with this program and what it requires. And, and it's just too hard to go up against the loved one's complaints about and, and that, that they don't understand why you know, we turn away from them as a priority to uh, recovery as a priority. Um, 
my ability to show up for life, my ability to be a, mother, a better mother uh, for my family, and it was dependent upon getting out of the food and staying out of the food. Um, and uh, I remember my, uh, my, my kid at the age of maybe three or four who didn't want me to go to a meeting, and I said, I have to be a, go to the meeting to be a better mother, and he told me it's not working. But whether he told me it's not working or not, I knew what I was like before. You know, And when my husband realized that this is a real necessary part of my life, it's not that he understood it, but he accepted that I wasn't going to do any different but to pursue my uh, recovery. He was afraid of it because he saw the changes in me. But, you know, he, again, once, you know, I was always so flip-flop on what I was going to do this day or that day for a new diet or whatever. But when he saw this was something that, you know, continued, uh, whether my behaviors were uh, crazy or not, he was familiar with that old Debbie, you know, and he could he could identify and we could do that fighting back and forth and I could get that mad, mad angry and all that. That was so normal and he could identify um, you know, uh, the, uh, let's see, one of the, uh, pro let's see, I saw a line that uh, made me think of uh, the time away from home that caused the problems in the house, the, the phone calls that I got, um, the time away from meditation and prayer, the different person, I don't, didn't entertain that um, invitation to misery because I couldn't continue to do that. Um, I could walk away from arguments. Uh, um, there was no way that the old relationship that I had with my husband would allow recovery to stay in my life. It was just too crazy. And uh, I wasn't being real to myself and to the program. Um, so, uh, you know, let's see. I, okay, so basically I had to get a program, a, lot, a living, a design for living that uh, required me to stay focused on the steps of this program, and I had to make that the first priority. Whether I liked it or not, my disease does not care whether my husband, my children, my job, the people, whoever, it doesn't care whether they like it or not. You know, somebody told me a long time ago in program, my disease is outside the door doing push-ups. So at any given point when I decide to give it back or to take it back and give back the spiritual way of living that I learned from this program, it's there. It's there and waiting. So with that, I pass. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Thank you, Deb W. Okay. The meeting will now be open for three-minute shares. We're going to begin on page 99 for two paragraphs. That's what we're going to share, focus our comments on. Who would like to begin? Who would like to be first? Tina S. Tina S. Reva P. Reva P. Irini. Irini. Anybody else? Craig. Kathy K. And I heard a gentleman. Craig. Greg? Uh, Craig Greg. with a C. Oh, sorry. Craig. Craig. What's your first initial, Craig, of your last name? K. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a nice lineup. Tina S. You can be Shannon. All right, and then we'll get you next, Shannon. Tina S. To go up, please. 
Thanks, Janice. Uh, Tina S. Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Mm, can you hear I can, me? I'm sorry. I can hear you now. That's fine. Okay, thanks. Sorry, Janice. Um, some great stuff. I really love to share. It was, it was fabulous. And I can, I can relate to, you know, uh, I like what it talks about that let no alcoholic say he cannot recover unless he has his family back. This just isn't so. You know, and remind him, remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people. It is dependent upon his relationship with God. And when I got here, that is not something that I wanted to hear, you know, because uh, I didn't have a relationship with God, and and I didn't think that that was the solution. Well, you know, the good news is that that's the solution, you know, because people will fail us, certainly. And, you know, my experience is maybe a little different than others. You know, I don't have kids, and um uh, you know, I've been in many relationships, but I always got in them for the wrong reason. I wanted somebody to take care of me and, you know, um, be, be responsible. And, you know, I was always a worker, but, you know, your money was our money. My money was mine, you know, so that I could live to the custom I was, you know, the style that I was accustomed to. And so, therefore, you know, I was in relationships for all the wrong reasons. So when I got came into recovery, I really had to get away from those relationships because, it, you know, it wasn't true to them and I wasn't true to myself so therefore you know believing that you know there'll come a time when I don't have a mental defense and that came early on and that defense must come from a power greater than myself I started to um, cultivate this relationship with the power and you know it continues day to day and, uh, and I'm so grateful that you know I can just be myself today I'm in a relationship today I've been with 14 15 years and you know and you know I don't depend on people to take care of me today you know, I certainly uh, am in a position where, you know, I love my partner to to love being with me and stuff like that. But she doesn't, you know, I don't depend on her for my survival. And I depend on God. And, and that's what, you know, being in recovery has taught me, that, you know, that God is my my backbone. You know, if I need anybody to depend on, it is God. And, um, and you know, and I love today that I am being the person that God would have me be. And the good news about that is I want to be the person God would have me be. So this is some great stuff. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Tina S. Okay, Reva P., your turn. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I find it interesting that just one page ago, on page 98, they say the same thing, that I will not stop drinking as long as I place my dependence on other people ahead of my dependence on God, And again, in case um, I forgot, it says my recovery is not dependent on people. It's dependent on my relationship with God. So what I'm thinking of this morning is, you know, here I am in step 12. And once I get to step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, um, and I practice the program in all my affairs, in the rooms and in my life, Um, It's easy to start, um, as was shared before, switching the priorities and making either relationships with people, um, my job, um, whatever issues are going on in my life, make them really big, and then the program and God gets smaller and smaller. And then all of a sudden, my life gets really complicated. Um, So this is reminding me, you know, what what happens when... um, and I've heard this with, with sponsees. What happens when, you know, the boyfriend breaks up with me? What happens when I don't get the job or the contract that I wanted? What happens when my children don't do what I want them to do, when my husband doesn't behave the way I want him to behave? 
um, if my serenity, my serenity depends, depends on, on, oh, I'm hearing an echo, but I hope you're not. If my serenity depends on everybody doing what I want them to do, then I'm not going to be serene. So this reminds me to keep the priorities straight um, and how important it is that he has to repeat it, you know, two pages in a row, um, that it's dependent on God. And the only way I can access God is to work these steps, get my um, defects out of the way, um, keep the channel clear so I even know what God's will is for me uh, for the moment in the day. With that, I pass. And thank you so much, Reva P. Okay, Irene M., it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you, Janice, for your loving service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. So here we have a new attitude and spirit all around. It doesn't say halfway. and doesn't say sometimes. We've made a 180-degree turnaround, and we're living by principles and not by personalities. Thank you, God, for that because it's a gift and it's a blessing. And so are we perfect? Far from it. We make lots of mistakes. But now... We're living, we're recovered, so we're living in steps 10 to 12. And step 10, when we do wrong, we immediately clean up our mess. We we repair and we make amends. So this is all about our interior life, how we're building our interior life, where are we focusing on. We're We're no longer focusing on our exterior life. We are not, you know, depending on what is exterior, but what lies within us. We're building that personal relationship that has transformed me from the inside out. So who is carrying me? Not others, and certainly not myself, but God is. So he is doing for me what I could never do for myself. And that is where my faith is manifested by depending on God. If I dare depend on others, then I'm placing my faith on others and not on God. So my recovery, because it's a gift, because it was given to me and done to me by God, my part is to keep my focus on God. He is in charge, and he is controlling my life. So I have to choose not to let others control my attitude. I cannot depend on anyone but God. And, yes, the previous page did say um, job or no job and uh, wife or no wife. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. So where do we... Where do we keep our focus? I constantly weigh and measure my thoughts. What thoughts come in and which ones do I entertain? What thoughts serve me and what thoughts do not serve me? And where does that power come from? It's only one 
power that helps me do this. So when I have God, when I focus on God, he gives me that power to allow to carry out that weighing and measuring what's good for me and what's not. And um, he has a hold on me, and I'm rooted in his love and his light. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Eddie M. Okay, Kathy, Kathy Kay, you're up. Thank you, Janice, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. And, um, you know, uh, as I read and listen to the shares today, I'm aware of um, how things have been transformed in my relationship with my husband. When I first got into program, I was so excited and hopeful that I I had to tell him everything about what I witnessed <clears throat> at my first few meetings. And, of course, it sounded kind of odd to him. And, um, yeah, he didn't quite know what to make of it all. Um, and over time, as I began to put the focus on myself and my recovery, uh, it happened very subtly, but he was transformed too. He uh, began to say things like, don't you have a meeting tonight? Um, or the phone's ringing, that may be someone from your program. And he began to see that something good was happening to me. He didn't understand it, um, but he gradually became supportive of what I was doing, uh, particularly when I was going to three meetings a week and talking on the phone a lot. Um, He no longer resented that or questioned it. He just knew that as a result of taking these actions, I was easier to live with. Um, So, you know, I am convinced, and I think the message of this paragraph is, uh, we keep the focus on ourselves and our own recovery, and those around us will also be transformed, and certainly the relationship will be transformed. Um, the other thing I want to say is um, that relationship with a higher power, that did not come easily to me, and uh, it wasn't until I really began to focus on that relationship and give it the attention and time that any new relationship requires that I really began to benefit um, from the steps and in turn my family began to benefit as well. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kathy Kay. Okay, Craig Kay, please, it's your turn. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, uh, this uh, reading had me thinking about my relationship with my wife um, quite naturally. Uh, and I'm new to uh, OA. I'm a compulsive overeater, I should say. Um, and I, it's tough for me even uh, accepting coming into the program has been, it's been, you know, I, I just sent a lot of resistance with it. Uh, but, you know, I, for the last, uh, almost a month now, um, I've just, I've 
been more accepting of my compulsive overheating and uh, ooh, excuse me. Um, I've been taking steps to eat uh, in, I guess you would say, an abstinent uh, manner. And uh, and I, I, a major issue that I have with my wife, who is also a compulsive eater, um, is her weight. Uh, and I see that that's a uh, projection of my own uh failure to accept myself, and I'm just hopeful that with my, with, with my participation in the program, through my recovery, I'll learn to stop hating myself and, and in turn accept myself those around me uh, with more love. Um, so that's what it had me thinking of. Thanks for letting me share. And thank you, Craig, for sharing with us this morning. Okay, we're going to go to uh, the next little group, Shannon. Shannon, what's your, your initial of your last name, Shannon? Was it Shannon S? Hi, hi there. This is Shannon. F is in fun. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shannon, What what's your initial? F as in Frank. Oh, F is in Frank. Okay, just hold on a minute, Shannon. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs for three minutes? Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay, and I heard someone else. Maureen M. Yeah. S-A-W. Maureen M. Leslie W. And one one other person? M-E-T. Something T. I'm sorry I didn't get it. Naomi. Oh, Naomi. Okay, let's go with those five. Let's go, Shannon F. Please, it's your turn. Awesome. Thank you, Shannon. F is in fun um, from Minnesota. Now, road tripping over to the Southwest. I have time to call today. Anyway, um, I do absolutely love this paragraph when it highlights um, that we put our dependence upon God rather than other people, what I had highlighted from God was that people are tangible. God isn't necessarily tangible. And I love to put my dependence upon other people because the fact that it's tangible, I feel like I have a sense of control. So putting my dependence upon God has challenged me to let go of control to a whole new level. Um, The other kicker that I've been really exploring in my own program is that um, the balance between family life and other responsibilities and um, our OA work, Um, because we have living amends to make. You know, um, before when I was in my disease, um, my family didn't see me a lot because I was so focused on how to lose weight and do this and do that and, you know, go off and run five pounds off and whatever the other insanity was. And now with my living amends, it it is to spend time with them. Yet, I don't put all of their agenda items on my task list. You know, when my friends start asking me to plan their baby showers or to do this or to do that, I need to be a bit more picky and choosy about what I spend my time and dedication towards. Um, Because 
um, I ask myself, well, do I really want to put all my waking hours into planning your baby shower, or do I actually want to have freedom from food compulsion? Because in order to achieve that, I need to sponsor. I need to work the steps. That does take time and energy and effort. So um, I, I be, I'm, I'm when I'm starting to think of all the different things that I can get caught up with besides doing step work, I really take a step back and really evaluate with God. Um, what is best to do? Um, so those are so, just a couple of the things that have been coming up in my craziness that I figured I would share today. So, but thank you for allowing me to share. And I will keep you all in my heart today as I'm road tripping. I pass. And thank you, Shannon F. Okay, Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, when I put conditions on um, what needs to be in place before I can, um, you know, work this program, before I can have um, freedom from food, um, that's a lie, you know, and that's um, that's looking to play God, you know, um, I can't set the criteria for what I need in order to get recovered. That's not really, um, you know, my role. If if I, in fact, um, turned my will and my life over to the care of God, you know, in step three, then I'm trusting that God's going to make a decision about um, how my marriage is going to unfold. Is it going to strengthen for my recovery or is it going to evolve, you know? And, um, you know, I, I... personally have seen that, um, you know, it hasn't been like straight and easy and perfect. Um, because when one person changes the dance in a family, um, you know, it's it's uncomfortable for everybody else. And, you know, there was a time my husband, he liked some of the, the, the um, behaviors that my disease let me engage in, you know, it, in some ways it made me um, an easier partner, you know, in some ways, but truly, you know, in, in the larger ways, it was polluting everything, and um, I could not really have a happy family and a happy life continuing to live in the disease, but, you know, initially, there there is some struggle, it meant, you know, Saturday mornings, um, you know, I'm getting up. I'm going to my meeting. You know, she's going to have to um, maybe watch the kids. Um, you know, and, and that is the struggle. But my recovery, I have no life. You know, if you reach the point of utter desperation and, and knowing that you're screwed, you have no life. Um, you know, I had no life um, unless I, I took my recovery first. And then, you know, if my marriage is supposed to strengthen as a result of my recovery, that's God's will, then it is. You know, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Well, thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Maureen M., it's your turn. Yes, good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. My name's Maureen M., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And I'm really glad and grateful to be here today. Extremely grateful. Um, especially when I read this paragraph, these paragraphs. Um, you know, I love Dr. Bob because I'm kind of a, I can't handle a lot of information at once. <laughs> um, you know, trust God, clean house, and help others. Uh, sounds simple, 
does hard. Um, but trust God is first. And I don't know, I, I, that has been my job in recovery is to learn how to trust God, put orderly direction, trust my higher power, the positive power of the people in the program. Those are my four keys. I mean, whatever power is outside of me, I need to do that first. That's a priority so I can stop eating the way I was eating. Um, cleaning house, too. You know, I remember... you know. When I came in, I was like, I, I want to do step nine. I want to finish. I want to. I want to fix this. It didn't work that way, and it doesn't work that way. It'll never work that way, um, as long as I'm running that show and I'm being the director. Can't possibly work. I have to free people from any grip of expectation that I have. That is part of cleaning house for me. And um, (laughs) it takes a while. So, uh, you know, I love the paragraph before where it says, you know, obviously no rule can be laid down. Let the alcoholic continue his program day by day. When the time comes, that's not my time. That's God's time, higher power's time. When that time comes, it will be peaceful. It will be calm, serene, presented in a way in which I feel strong enough to handle it, no matter what it is, and it'll pass naturally. I will have very little to do with the orchestration thereof. And that's why I love it. You know, it just isn't so. You know, it's, you know, dependent on my relationship with God. It was like doing my ninth step too early. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. And then being devastated when the results didn't turn out the way I wanted them to. Same thing with the relationships with the family. Freeing the people to be who they are, wherever they are. While I concentrated on my priorities and my getting well and my program. And I'm so grateful. Thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. And thank you so much, Maureen M. Okay, Leslie W., it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. This is Leslie W. calling from Tennessee. Can you hear me? Yes. Fine. Okay. All right. Um, I'm so thankful to be on this call, and I'm so thankful that I found vision for you. I love hearing all of the recovery and all the people um, on the line. It's so encouraging to me. Um, I'm Leslie. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater, and I love this paragraph because it talks about how our recovery is not contingent upon someone else. It's not dependent upon other people. It has to be dependent on God, and I really can speak into that because I've had a very tumultuous relationship with my husband, especially over these last (laughs) seven years Um, since I've been in program. And the reason why is because I believe that it was difficult for him when I first came into program because he felt that I placed everything else in front of him. And to his credit, I did. Um, And I, I realize now that 
some of the awful things that we said to one another. Um, five years ago, this, this was a man who told me that he did not want to be married to a person that had to go to program meetings. This was a man who refused to watch my children so that I could go to program meetings. Um, and so I had to break my anonymity and tell friends and neighbors that I had to go to a 12-step program for an eating, dis an eating disorder. Could they please watch my child? And at the time, he was only a baby. Since then, fast forward to today. And um, that same man loves me. Um, despite everything, you know, despite everything that we have been through, and we have a very respectful relationship now. Um, he encourages me to go to meetings. Um, he sees that the recovery has been good for me and, and, and good for our marriage. Um, he no longer comments on what I eat or what I don't eat. Um, he is loving and kind and supportive. And since then, we've had another baby. Um, I have a I have a beautiful two-year-old son, and I have a family, and I have a home today. And I really don't think I would have any of that without this program. I really don't think I would have any of that without um, without the miracle of recovery and the daily reprieve that I have been given every single day, so that I can be present for my children, so that I can be present for my husband. And I, I, I just, I just, I'm so emotional because this really hits home for me. And um, this was a, this was a man who didn't even want to be in the same room with me. And wow, the transformation that has occurred. And for that, I am just so grateful. There is hope. There is recovery. There, there is healing in this program. And 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 with God and and with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Leslie W. Okay, Naomi, I, I didn't get your last initial, your first initial to your last name. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Naomi, good morning. morning. Good morning. This is Naomi T. in Florida, compulsive overeater. Um, this is my first time on the live program, the live call. Um, and I'm so grateful to the entire fellowship for being the strength that I don't have myself um, because I'm powerless and didn't quite realize that my life had become unmanageable. Um, and after coming back, I had been in a short stint about a year and a half ago with, with the with program and came back a week ago, ready to work the steps, have a great sponsor who's just been waiting until I've been ready. And through yesterday's, um, uh, listening to yesterday's um, call meeting, I got myself up this morning and after four years of trying, I'm, I'm out for a walk and listening and sharing on the live call. And as I listened, I thought, well, this doesn't really speak to me because I have a loving husband and a loving daughter and I, my family's never gone away from me. But in fact, there's a, a couple of things. One, there's a flip side. I'm not waiting and can't do this unless my family comes back to me. It's sort of in spite because everything is an excuse. Well, I just have to do this for my family. Or if my husband would just 
respond this way if my daughter would just not be going through her teenage things, etc. And I use my family often as an excuse. I watch other OA members and I say, well, look at all the people who don't have kids. It must be so much easier for them because they don't have to think about food for other people. But I realize they're all just excuses. It's really, I just have to focus on my own recovery. Um, and I have another family and it's the OA family. And I realize I have not yet found my higher power and I'm excited to connect with a higher power and to understand what that's about. Um, and until then, I just do it one day at a time, at a time, focusing on my own recovery and using the support of the fellowship, wherever that may be, because together we can. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you, Naomi. Is there anyone else before we go on? Okay, I think we're Larry. going. Oh, okay, Larry, please go ahead. <laughs> Thanks so much, Janice. I'll, I'll make it quick here. No, you know, I, I enjoy. Can you hear me okay? Sure. Can hear okay, you well. good, good. Larry K., recovered compulsive overeater. You know, um, this whole program uh, for me has been about change. You know that that's the whole thing. We, we have these 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 steps, which result in a change. And in the context of, at least for for me in my life, in the context of the relationships that I've had, you know, within my family, uh, coworkers, other people that I come in contact with, I think what this program is, has meant to me is 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 you know instead of trying to change the world around me and the people around me that that never worked um you know i could try to uh to change them and that never worked what this program has taught me is you know is to become the change to become the change that i want to see in the world around me that that somehow when i change as the result of these steps they result in some sort of you know, spiritual transformation, some sort of um, spiritual restoration, that then the people around me, the energy that I, that I give off, the person that I am, that I truly am, the congruent person that I am today, that often changes the people around me. So <laughs> sometimes I, you know, I, I say, you know, that, that right around the time, how ironic, that right around the time that I had this spiritual awakening, which for me was of the educational variety and it continues to unfold, but how um, utterly amazing that, um, that everyone else around me seemed to have a spiritual awakening as well. <laughs> you know, And uh, all these people that I had resentments for, bitter resentments for years, they began to change too. Well, you know, obviously the tornado that I was the Jekyll and Hyde type of person that I was, you know, you had to walk around, uh, walk around me like walking around eggshells here. You know, once I was not going and, and stepping on people's toes day after day, minute by minute, um, so too did they begin to change. And it, it was a process. It took time. Um, you know, now I am, you know, uh, somewhat predictable in a good way. You know, I was never predictable before. I had to change first, and then we can see those people around us that they begin to change too. 
And if they don't, you know what? They have a higher power. <clears throat> maybe they're connected with, maybe they're not. Um, but I can tell you this, their higher power, it's not me. And it never will be me. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Is there anyone else that would like to continue before we went on? Harlan G. Okay, certainly. Okay, it would be Harlan G, I think I heard, and uh, Leia M. Uh, I'm sorry, let's try Harlan and Leia and see what time we have left. Okay, Harlan, please go ahead. Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks for your service. Can you hear me okay? Very well. Great, thank you. When the big book wants to tell me something, it tells it to me repeatedly. And this idea of priorities is told to me from the beginning to the end. Now, I could philosophize about God all day long. And if I say the word God, for as many people as are on the line this morning, there's going to be as many ideas about who that is or what that is as there are people. But for me, that's all nonsense. It's narishkeit. For me, what God is, is what I obsess about all day, what I work toward all day, and the thing that I obsessed about all day long in my previous life was either eating food actively or avoiding food actively on my own, unaided, just based on my self-will run riot. So at no time in my life was I not thinking about food first. And that came to me very naturally. Now I'm supposed to think about God, but I can't just will myself to put God first. I have to work toward that ideal day by day, minute by minute, so that at some point years ago, the idea of working toward a spiritual awakening, the, uh, the activity of working toward a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps became more natural and more natural through effort, not through thought. So that today I can honestly say to you that my priority is of service. My priority is of God and my priority is of the steps because I'm sick and tired of living in the food and I'm not going to live that way anymore. And when I think that way, service-wise, God-wise, when I live that way, the thought of food is very distant from my mind. So for me to establish a priority, it has to come from work and action and desire springing from intense pain. Because as I said before, and I will say Sunday on the special edition, this is not a program for people who need it. This is not a program for people who want it. This is a program for people who do it. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Holland. Okay, now we have Leah M., please. Thank you, Janice. This means a new attitude and spirit all around. Um, you know, we talk about the promises of the program. <laughs> well, there's also the promises of disease. At least that's the way I experienced it. Um, you know, 
the disease strained all my relationships. I was unpredictable. I was unreliable. I was irresponsible. I was incapable of emotional intimacy, lack of physical intimacy. I was depressed. I was isolated. I had suicidal thinking. Not a pretty picture. Um, the program of recovery um, put me back together the way God intended me to be. Um, and and that's what allowed AA to grow by leaps and br- and leaps and bounds was that uh, people got recovered and stayed recovered, and that families were reunited. And certainly that's been my experience. Um, you know there were threats of divorce as I entered a twelve step rehab in 1987. I wasn't sure uh, what what was going to occur. Um, but one of the strange things about compulsive overeating is that even though it's a terminal disease, it's possible to come out of it in better shape than when you first realized you had it. And what makes that possible is this spiritual experience, this ability through the implementation of the 12 steps to be changed, to be reborn. I mean, that is absolutely my experience where old ideas, uh, emotions, and attitudes were cast aside through this 12 step process and I began to be dominated by new ideas, emotions, and attitudes. And, you know, most people don't realize that we continue on this path of growth our whole lives. And for me, both compulsive overeating and recovery have been progressive conditions. Compulsive overeating was progressively downward into a life of madness and mayhem. Recovery has been progressively upward, um, but this freedom isn't free. And my experience is that the more I pay attention, the more I prioritize my recovery and my relationship with God uh, through the daily (laughs) inventory and occupation of step 10, through uh, the continuing uh, development of my relationship with God in step 11 and through my uh, service towards others in step 12, the more my life flourishes in all areas of my life. It's counterintuitive, it's counterinstinctually, and it's certainly countercultural today. But the spiritual axiom is absolutely true. Based on my personal experience, the more I give away, the more I prioritize my recovery above everything else, Uh, The more I have, the more my life flourishes, the better wife, mother, sister, daughter, friend, community member I can be. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Leah I think we're going to close the meeting now, and I want to especially thank everyone who participated um, and uh, shared this morning. And please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Uh, We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, Will Santa H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Certainly. Good morning, everyone. My name is Santa H. from New Jersey. I'm a grateful compulsive overeater living in a solution one day at a time. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize that we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you shall surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.